Section 4 of A Popular History of France, Volume 5. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 5, by François Guizot, translated by Robert Black. Chapter 35, Henry IV, Protestant King, 1589-1593, to Part 4. At the beginning of February, 1593, he sent for Rosny, one evening very late, Quote, and so, says Rosny, I found his majesty in bed, having already wished every one a good night, who, as soon as he saw me come in, ordered a hassock to be brought, and me to kneel thereon against his bed, and said to me, My friend, I have sent for you so late, for to speak with you about the things that are going on, and to hear your opinions thereon. I confess that I have often found them better than those of many others who make a great show of being clever." if you continue to leave me the care of that which concerns you and yourself to take continual care of my affairs we shall both of us find it to our welfare i do not wish to hide any longer that for a long time past i have had my eye upon you in order to employ you personally in my most important affairs especially in those of my finances for i hold you to be honest and painstaking for the present i wish to speak with you about that large number of persons of all parties all ranks and different tempers who would be delighted to exert themselves for the pacification of the kingdom especially if i can resolve to make some arrangement as regards religion i am quite resolved not to hear of any negotiation or treaty save on these two conditions that some result may be looked for tending both to the advantage of the people of my kingdom and to the real re-establishment of the kingly authority I know that it is your custom, whenever I put anything before you, to ask me for time to think well thereon, before you are disposed to tell me your opinion. In three or four days I shall send for you to tell me what has occurred to you, touching all these fine hopes that many would have me anticipate from their interventions, all of them persons very diverse in temper, purposes, interests, functions, and religion. End quote. Quote, Whereupon, says Rosny, the king having dismissed me with a good evening, he did not fail to send for me again three days afterwards, in order that I should go and see him again in bed, near the which, having made me kneel as before, he said, Come now, tell me this moment, and quite at leisurely length, all your foolish fancies, for so you have always called the best counsels you have ever given me, touching the questions I put to you the other evening. I am ready to listen to you right on to the end, without interrupting you. End quote. Quote, Sir, said Rosny, I have reflected not only on what your majesty was pleased to tell me three days ago, but also on what I have been able to learn as to the same affairs from diverse persons of all qualities and religions, and even some women who have talked to me in order to make me talk, and to see if I knew any particulars of your private intentions. As it seems to me, sir, all these goings, comings, writings, letters, journeys, interventions, parleys, and conferences cannot be better compared than to that swarming of attorneys at the courts, who take a thousand turns and walks about the great hall under pretense of settling cases, and all the while it is they who give them birth, and would be very sorry for a single one to die off in the next place not a single one of them troubles himself about right or wrong provided that the crowns are forthcoming and that by dint of lustily shouting they are reputed eloquent learned and well stocked with inventions and subtleties consequently sir without troubling yourself further with these treaty-mongers and negotiators who do nothing but lure you bore you perplex your mind and fill with doubts and scruples the minds of your subjects 
I opine, in a few words, that you must still for some time exercise great address, patience, and prudence, in order that there may be engendered amongst all this mass of confusion, anarchy, and chimera that they call the Holy Catholic Union, so many and such opposite desires, jealousies, pretensions, hatreds, longings, and designs, that at last all the French there are amongst them must come and throw themselves into your arms bit by bit, recognize your kingship alone as possible, and look to nothing but it for protection, prop, or stay. Nevertheless, sir, that your majesty may not regard me as a spirit of contradiction for having found nothing good in all these proposals made to you by these great negotiators, I will add to my suggestions just one thing. If a bit of Catholicism were quite agreeable to you, if it were properly embraced and accepted accordingly, in honourable and suitable form, it would be of great service, might serve as cement between you and all your Catholic subjects and it would even facilitate your other great and magnificent designs whereof you have sometimes spoken to me. Touching this, I would say more to you about it if I were of such profession as permitted me to do so with a good conscience. I content myself as it is with leaving yours to do its work within you on so ticklish and so delicate a subject. End quote. Quote, I quite understand your opinions, said the king. They resolve themselves almost into one single point. I must not allow the establishment of any association or show of government having the least appearance of being able to subsist, by itself or by its members, in any part of my kingdom, or suffer dismemberment in respect of any one of the royal prerogatives, as regards things spiritual as well as temporal. Such is my full determination. Quote. Quote. I answered the king, continues Rosny, that I was rejoiced to see him taking so intelligent a view of his affairs and that for the present i had no advice to give him but to seek repose of body and mind and to permit me likewise to seek the same for myself for i was dead sleepy not having slept for two nights and so without a word more the king gave me a good night and as for me i went back to my quarters a few days before this conversation between the king and his friend rosny on the twenty sixth of january fifteen ninety three the states-general of the league had met in the great hall of the louvre present the duke of mayenne surrounded by all the pomp of royalty but so nervous that his speech in opening the session was hardly audible and that he frequently changed colour during its delivery on leaving his wife told him that she was afraid he was not well as she had seen him turn pale three or four times a hundred and twenty-eight deputies had been elected only fifty were present at this first meeting they adjourned to the fourth of february in the interval on the twenty eighth of january there had arrived also a royalist trumpeter bringing quote, on behalf of the princes prelates officers of the crown and principal lords of the catholic faith who were with the king of navarre an offer of a conference between the two parties for to lay down the basis of a peace eagerly desired on hearing this message cardinal pelev archbishop of sens one of the most fiery prelates of the league said quote, that he was of opinion that the trumpeter should be whipped, to teach him not to undertake such silly errands for the future. Quote. Quote, An opinion, said somebody, quite worthy of a thick head like his, wherein there is but little sense. The States-General of the League were of a different opinion. After long and lively discussion, the three orders decided, each separately, on the 25th of February, to consent to the conference demanded by the friends of the King of Navarre on the fourth of february when they resumed session cardinal philip de sega 
bishop of placentia in spain and legate of pope clement the eighth had requested to be present at the deliberation of the assembly but his request was refused the states confined themselves to receiving his benediction and hearing him deliver an address the different fate of these two proposals was a clear indication of the feelings of the assembly they were very diverse in the three orders which constituted it almost all the clergy prelates and popular preachers were devoted to the spanish league the noblesse were not at all numerous at these states Quote, the most brilliant and most active members of it says m picot correctly had ranged themselves behind henry the fourth and it covered itself with eternal honour by having been the first to discern where to look for the hopes and the salvation of france the third estate was very much divided it contained the fanatical leaguers at the service of philip the second and the court of rome the partisans much more numerous of the french league who desired peace and were ready to accept henry the fourth provided that he turned catholic and a small band of political spirits more powerful in talent than number regularly as the deputies arrived mayenne went to each of them saying privately quote, gentlemen you see what the question is it is the very chiefest of all matters res maxima rerum agitur i beg you to give your best attention to it and to so act that the adversaries steal no march on us and get no advantage over us nevertheless i mean to abide by what i have promised them mayenne was quite right it was certainly the chiefest of all matters the head of the protestants of france the ally of all the protestants in europe should he become a catholic and king of france the temporal head of catholic europe the king of spain should he abolish the salic law in france by placing upon it his daughter as queen and dismember france to his own profit and that of the leaders of the league his hirelings rather than his allies or peradventure should one of these leaguer chiefs be he who should take the crown of france and found a new dynasty there and which of these leaguer chiefs should attain this good fortune a half german or a true frenchman a lorraine prince or a bourbon and if a lorraine prince which the duke of mayenne military head of the league or his uterine brother the duke of nemours or his nephew the young duke of guise son of the balafre all these questions were mooted all these pretensions were on the cards all these combinations had their special intrigue and in the competition upon which they entered with one another at the same time that they were incessantly laying traps for one another they kept up towards one another because of the uncertainty of their chances a deceptive course of conduct often amounting to acts of downright treachery committed without scruple in order to preserve for themselves a place and share in the unknown future towards which they were moving it was in order to have his opinion upon a position so dark and complicated and upon the behaviour it required that henry the fourth then at mantes sent once more for rosny and had a second conversation a few weeks later with him Quote, well my friend said the king what say you about all these plots that are being projected against my conscience my life and my kingdom since the death of the duke of parma on the second of december fifteen ninety two in the abbey of st was de arras from the consequences of a wound received in the preceding april at the siege of caudebec it seems that deeds of arms have given place to intrigues and contests of words i fancy that such gentry will never leave me at rest and will at last perhaps attempt my liberty and my life 
I beg you to tell me your opinion freely, and what remedies, short of cruelty and violence, I might now employ to get rid of all these hindrances and cabals, or monopole, that are going on against the rights which have come to me by the will of God, by birth, and by the laws of the realm. End quote. Quote, Sir, said Rosny, I do not fancy that deferments and temporizations, any more than long speeches, would now be seasonable. There are, it seems to me, but two roads to take to deliver yourself from peril, but not from anxiety, for from anxiety kings and princes, the greater they are, can the less secure themselves if they wish to reign successfully. One of the two roads is to accommodate yourself to the desires and wishes of those whom you feel distrust. The other, to secure the persons of those who are the most powerful, and of the highest rank, and most suspected by you, and put them in such place as will prevent them from doing you hurt. You know them pretty nearly all. There are some of them very rich. You will be able for a long while to carry on war. As for advising you to go to mass, it is a thing that you ought not, it seems to me, to expect from me, who am of the religion. But frankly will I tell you that it is the readiest and the easiest means of confounding all these cabals, or monopole, and causing all the most mischievous projects to end in smoke. End quote. The King quote, but tell me freely, I beg of you, what you would do if you were in my place. Rosny, I can assure you honestly, sir, that I have never thought about what I should feel bound to do for to be king, it having always seemed to me that I had not a head able or intended to wear a crown. As to your majesty, it is another affair. In you, sir, that desire is not only laudable, but necessary, as it does not appear now this realm can be restored to its greatness opulence and splendor, but by the sole means of your eminent worth and downright kingly courage. But whatever right you have to the kingdom, and whatever need it has of your courage and worth for its restoration, you will never arrive at complete possession and peaceable enjoyment of this dominion but by two sole expedients and means. In case of the first, which is force and arms, you will have to employ strong measures, severity, rigor, and violence, processes which are all utterly opposed to your temper and inclination. You will have to pass through an infinity of difficulties, fatigues, pains, annoyances, perils and labors, with a horse perpetually between your legs, harness, or alecrette, a species of like cuirass, on back, helmet on head, pistol in fist and sword in hand. And what is more, you will have to bid adieu to repose, pleasure, pastime, love, mistress, play, hunting, hawking, and building. For you will not get out of such matters but by multiplicity of town-takings, quantity of fights, signal victories, and great bloodshed. By the other road, which is to accommodate yourself, as regards religion, to the wish of the greatest number of your subjects, you will not encounter so many annoyances, pains, and difficulties in this world, but as to the next, I don't answer for you. It is for your majesty to take a fixed resolution for yourself, without adopting it from any one else, and less from me than from any other, as you well know that I am of the religion, and that you keep me by you, not as a theologian and counsellor of church, but as a man of action and counsellor of state, seeing that you have given me that title, and for a long space employed me as such. End quote. The king burst out laughing, and sitting up in his bed, said, after scratching his head several times, to Rosny, quote, All you say to me is true, but I see so many thorns on every side that it will go very hard, but some of them will prick me full sore. 
you know well enough that my cousins the princess of the blood and ever so many other lords such as d'epernon longueville biron Dau, and vitry are urging me to turn catholic or else they will join the league on the other hand i know for certain that messieurs de touraine de la tremoille and their lot are labouring daily to have a demand made if i turn catholic on behalf of them of the religion for an assembly to appoint them a protector and an establishment of councils in the provinces all things that i could not put up with but if i had to declare war against them to prevent it it would be the greatest annoyance and trouble that could ever happen to me my heart could not bear to do ill to those who have so long run my risks and have employed their goods and their lives in my defence at these words rosny threw himself upon his knees with his eyes full of tears and kissing the king's hands he said quote, sir i am rejoiced beyond measure to see you so well disposed towards them of the religion i have always been afraid that if you came to change your religion as i see full well that you will have to do you might be persuaded to hate and maltreat those of us others of the towns as well as of the noblesse who will always love you heartily and serve you faithfully and be assured that the number thereof will be so great that if there rise up amongst them any avaricious ambitious and factious who would fain do the contrary these will be constrained by the others to return to their duty what would in my opinion be very necessary would be to prevail upon the zealous catholics to change that belief which they are so anxious to have embraced by all the rest to wit that they of the religion are all damned there are certainly also some ministers and other obtrusive spirits amongst the huguenots who would fain persuade us of the same as regards catholics for my own part i believe nothing of the kind i hold it on the contrary as indisputable that of whatever religion men make outward profession if they die keeping the decalogue and believing in the creed or apostles if they love god with all their heart and are charitable towards their neighbour if they put their hopes in god's mercy and in obtaining salvation by the death merits and justice of jesus christ they cannot fail to be saved because they are then no longer of any erroneous religion but of that which is most agreeable to god if you were pleased to embrace it and put it in practice all the days of your life not only should i have no doubt of your salvation but i should remain quite assured that not regarding us as execrable and damned you would never proceed to the destruction or persecution of those of our religion who shall love you truly and serve you faithfully from all such reflections and discourse i conclude that it will be impossible for you ever to reign in peace so long as you make outward profession of a religion which is held in such great aversion by the majority of both great and small in your kingdom and that you cannot hope to raise it to such general splendour wealth and happiness as i have observed you often projecting still less could you flatter yourself with the idea of ever arriving at the accomplishment of your lofty and magnificent designs for the establishment of a universal most christian republic composed of all the kings and potentates of europe who profess the name of christ for in order to bring about so great a blessing you must needs have tranquil possession of a great rich opulent and populous kingdom and be in a condition to enter into great and trustworthy foreign associations Economie royale or Mémoire de Sully, pages eighty one to one hundred. One is inclined to believe that even before their conversations, Henry the Fourth was very near being of Rosny's opinion. But it is a long stride from an opinion to a resolution. In spite of the breadth and independence of his mind, Henry the Fourth was sincerely puzzled. 
he was of those who far from clinging to a single fact and confining themselves to a single duty take account of the complication of the facts amidst which they live and of the variety of the duties which the general situation or their own imposes upon them born in the reformed faith and on the steps of the throne he was struggling to defend his political rights whilst keeping his religious creed but his religious creed was not the fruit of very mature or very deep conviction it was a question of first claims and of honour rather than a matter of conscience and on the other hand the peace of france her prosperity perhaps her territorial integrity were dependent upon the triumph of the political rights of the bernays even for his brethren in creed his triumph was a benefit secured for it was an end of persecution and a first step towards liberty there is no measuring accurately how far ambition personal interest a king's egotism had to do with henry the fourth's abjuration of his religion none would deny that those human infirmities were present but all this does not prevent the conviction that patriotism was uppermost in henry's soul and that the idea of his duty as king towards france a prey to all the evils of civil and foreign war was the determining motive of his resolution it cost him a great deal to the huguenot gentry and peasantry who fought with him he said quote, you desire peace i give it you at my own expense i have made myself anathema for the sake of all like moses and st paul he received with affectionate sadness the reformed ministers and preachers who came to see him quote, kindly pray to god for me said he to them and love me always as for me i shall always love you and i will never suffer wrong to be done to you or any violence to your religion he had already at this time the edict of nantes in his mind and he let a glimpse of it appear to rosny at their first conversation when he discussed with the catholic prelates the conditions of his abjuration he had those withdrawn which would have been too great a shock to his personal feelings and shackled his conduct too much in the government as would have been the case with the promise to labor for the destruction of heresy even as regarded the Catholic faith, he demanded of the doctors who were preparing him for it some latitude for his own thoughts, and, quote, that he should not have such violence done to his conscience as to be bound to strange oaths, and to sign and believe rubbish which he was quite sure that the majority of them did not believe, end quote. Memoire de l'Estoile, page 472. The most passionate Protestants of his own time reproached him, and some still reproach him, with having deserted his creed, and having repaid with ingratitude his most devoted comrades-in-arms and brothers in Christ. Perhaps there is some ingratitude also in forgetting that after four years of struggling to obtain the mastery for his religious creed and his political rights simultaneously, Henry the Fourth, convinced that he could not succeed in that, put a stop to religious wars, and founded, to last for eighty-seven years, the free and lawful practice of the reformed worship in France, by virtue of the Edict of Nantes, which will be spoken of presently. End of section 4